All right. Welcome back for another episode of The Art of Giving a Damn. Our guest today is Cindy Holbrook, who is the visibility whiz. Cindy, thanks for coming on today. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. So you share strategies that help people to really build a strong, confident presence online and spotlight their expertise so they can attract clients. Uh, how did you get started in this particular area? Basically, when I became a coach back in 2009, I was a divorce coach. And over the years, as I kept building up strategies and learning and building up my business, um, the energy started to drain me just being the divorce, being around divorce all the time. But every time I would go to events, I was constantly being asked, how did you get on Huffington Post Live? How did you get on eHarmony? How did you get on MSN? How did you get here or there? How do you attract 20,000 people or more to your website each month. I was constantly being asked this. Mm-hmm. How did you build up a large Twitter following, a large Facebook following, and all this stuff? And I thought it sort of was a progression towards being the visibility whiz because I was constantly asked. And I did start working with a lot of divorced women who, whenever they were healed, they wanted to go on and help other people. Mm-hmm. So I was helping them build their business and their own visibility. So it just was a progress, a progress, can't say the word, a progression from uh, where I was to where I am. Yeah. So this isn't what you're doing right now. Isn't the only business you've had online. You really went through and built up your own online presence first Mm -hmm. in a different space and then shifted into showing other people how to do that. Correct. Yeah. Very cool. I started online. My first internet Mm -hmm. business I opened on September 10th of 2001. Okay. So you've been around a while. And, uh, and it was, uh, and I was selling, I was selling little pewter figurines, but I definitely, you know, um, you know, that's what I always say. I started with Yahoo stores and who have, who's heard of Yahoo stores? You know, nobody knows about Yahoo stores anymore. I remember when they were around, that was back when I think, uh, GeoCities and Alta Vista were big. Right. <laughs> yeah. The interesting thing is so many people who start a business, they don't get to the point that you got to where they were visible on things like eHarmony or Huffington Post because they get stuck. And I know this is something you coach people around is how to overcome that, the fear and anxiety that they feel about their online presence. They feel like maybe they're afraid to be found or someone might think they're a fraud or they just don't know where to start at all. So what are the, the first couple of steps you advise somebody to take if you know they've got their business in place? And they're looking to really get out there and get visible with it. You know, the first thing is, do you have to step through your fear? You have Mm -hmm. to walk through your fear. All of us are afraid. Uh, People think confidence is a place to be achieved. And confidence Mm -hmm. is a state of being. You're never going to achieve confidence. It's a state of being. And I heard the definition once that I really like. The confidence is the willingness to try. Mm -hmm. So even scared to death, of something if you're just willing to try you know I have been around for a while but I used to be terrified at that little camera up there (laughs) and uh, in my first videos nobody would ever see my daughter would look at them go mom it doesn't even look like you because I would like my name is Cindy welcome (laughs) to today and it was like my daughter's like you have no facial expression you don't move like a statue mom because I was terrified of the right. camera but I kept practicing and practicing and you know I would I cannot tell you how many videos I made before I felt even confident enough to show it to somebody simply because I knew 
that these cameras were these other videos were not portraying who I am. That's why I didn't release them. Not that I thought they weren't good enough, but they weren't portraying who I am. And um, so I had to practice even to be natural. One thing that helped me a whole lot to be natural on camera is it's a lot easier to talk to somebody else like I'm talking to you now. And it was simply being a guest on a lot of, whenever um, Google Live first came out, Mm -hmm. the Google Live shows, I was a guest on a whole lot of Google Live shows. Okay, that's a great strategy. Confidence, because I'm talking to somebody else. I didn't feel like it was only that camera. I could concentrate on the person I was speaking to, what questions they were asking me, so it was a communication. Right. That that does help so much when you've got somebody else to kind of carry that conversation back and forth. I um, I remember when I started doing video, it was kind of the same thing for me. I was terrified of it. I would stumble across all my words. I felt like I was talking to no one and yet everyone at the same time. And uh, my daughter had a tiny little sock monkey that I used to put right up here above my camera. So I felt like I was talking to someone um, because that, that is, it's challenging for people to break through and to feel natural when, you know, like right now we're on camera, we're being recorded. Um, That can be a scary moment. So uh, as far as I love the way you define confidence, by the way, the willingness to try, that's a fantastic perspective on it. Thank you. And I wanted to step back as you had talked about people um, not knowing where to start. And whenever you really start drilling down somebody and I'll ask them, well, you don't know what, where to start, what strategies do you know? Well, I don't know if I should start on Pinterest or on Twitter uh, with my website or with an opt-in gift or if I should go here or there. And so I, and whenever I keep asking them questions, it boils down to, wanting to be perfect and being afraid of making a mistake. So there's still, you know, I don't want to waste my time on the wrong strategy. Well, I personally don't believe you're ever wasting your time, even if you, you don't get it right the first time. I mean, really, whoever gets it right the first time. I don't think I ever have. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, that is, that is interesting, because that, is one of the fears that often stops us from moving forward. It's not just about not being sure where to start. It really is that deeper fear of what if I don't do it perfectly? It's out there on the internet for everybody to see. What if I fail? Um, Mm -hmm. And that that can be a scary thing to work through when you're looking at online visibility. Yeah, it is. It's very scary. And it's not just per se video. I mean, it's interesting whenever I ask people what they think visibility are, because I've had some very interesting answers. You know, some some people have told me, oh, it's being, it's my website being number one on Google. And I'm like, good luck with that. Okay. (laughs) But, uh, or it's understanding Google's algorithm or Facebook algorithm and the same thing I say good luck with that uh you know it's, you, it's you like, might understand it today but it's going to change tomorrow anyway right uh one of the big Facebook experts had mm-hmm. said about the Google about the Facebook algorithm that they have like I don't know six or seven hundred different pieces of it and she said she only knows 35 mm-hmm. and she's considered one of the top Facebook experts mm-hmm. So if the top Facebook expert doesn't even know all of them, nobody's going to ever know all of them. And Google actually changed its algorithm over 600 times last year. 
So who, nobody can keep up with that. That's your full-time business. So if you're here, if you're a heart-centered entrepreneur and you want to serve people, you don't have the time. You know, you need to know the basics. Yeah. Uh, I believe that as long as you give from your heart and you're giving really good, valuable information and you're not trying to trick any of the search engines, every social media platform is a search engine in of itself. So if you're not trying to trick them and you're really thinking about who's reading your stuff and providing the best value, that you're always going to be able to manage whatever changes these platforms come up with because they want the same thing. They want to give their customers the best uh, end use. And if you have the same goals in mind, you're already ahead of the game. Yeah, I love that. That's uh, that's what I've told people when they come to me and ask for Google strategies or things because I actually used to do SEO professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've told people, you know, if you keep in mind that the goal of the search engine is just to help people find the best results for what they're mm-hmm. looking for so that they keep using it so they can sell more ad space mm-hmm. and you just make sure that you are the most valuable information about that, that you're sharing that mm-hmm. it's going to work. People are going to find you. The same is true on social media. And it's funny, people kind of panic when Facebook changes. I'm sure you see this all the time with your clients, but the tactics and the strategies stay the same no matter what changes or which platform you're on. If you're sharing valuable content, like you said, people will share you and the right people will find you. It's very interesting you say that because I still have, um, I don't pay a whole lot of, I can't say attention, I don't utilize my energy right now on my divorce coaching, but I still have all of the divorce. I still have my website. I still have my divorce group. And, you know, we've all heard how Facebook pages are dead. I don't have a Facebook group. I have a Facebook page for my divorced woman, but we've all heard how Facebook pages are dead Mm -hmm. and you have to pay to play and nobody's seeing your Facebook pages. Mm -hmm. But ever since Facebook did whatever they did to their pages, Mm -hmm. My activity and engagement on that divorce page has increased. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, and I'm really, it's not where my energy is. Uh-huh. It's what I already had going on was working. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and obviously because the people that were engaging with me are seeing it more because they were already engaging. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it, it's actually increased, which is bizarre. <laughs> that not, is not trying to figure it out but I think it's sort of funny which really proves that it's not dead and a lot of people whenever you have these changes like to say something's dead um going back to uh confidence too and I have this but see a lot of people they only want to be half seen they want to have this this part of them that they're not showing online so they only show half of who they are and that is what I call a fake persona and so we were raised, our parents were raised mm-hmm. that when we go into the corporate world, you have to act a certain way and be a certain way right. to be successful. And this is, you know, a lot of where that fake persona comes, or even as we were kids, mm-hmm. you know, don't act that way, don't do this. Um, with my first husband, I always had to act like the boss's wife. I had to look a certain way, act a certain way, dress a certain way, because I had to have this persona. And we're taught to have this persona, and it really doesn't work real well online, because people see through it, and they think, what's she hiding? She's being fake. She's a phony. And so it's really important. It doesn't mean you have to share all of your deepest, darkest secrets, but it's really important to let go of that 
um, corporate persona, for lack of a better word, and totally be visible so yeah. that people get to know, like, and trust you because they want to know you as a person, not as a, a figure that's unreachable. They want to see that you're on the same playing ground and that you've been where they've at and that you can really help them. Okay, so for anybody listening who maybe is coming from the corporate world or from that background of we're supposed to behave a certain way, you know, you cross your T's, dot your I's, all that, mind your P's and Q's, what are two or three tips you would give them for figuring out what's okay to share online, what maybe needs to stay possibly uh, private? Where do, you, where do you draw those lines for you or for your clients? You know, it's up to each person. Again, it's you have to stay true to your heart. Mm-hmm. I did a little video and I utilized three of my favorite mentors, mm-hmm. Adam Urbanski, Gina Gablini, and Mary Allen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Completely different personalities. Now, Very Adam, much so. <laughs> Adam, Adam, you know, he's really straightforward. You know, he's um, helpful, but he really doesn't talk a whole lot about his personal life. You know, he's very business oriented, but at the mm-hmm. same time, bring you in. And I mean, I always say Adam could sell ice to an Eskimo, you know, he, but he's just got a great sense of humor and can talk to you, but mm-hmm. he's not real open. You know, he doesn't share everything. Now, Mary Allen, on the other hand, she shares her life. If yeah. you follow Mary Allen on Facebook, you know everything about her just about. Yep. This is what she's comfortable with. Adam's mm-hmm. not comfortable with sharing his life. So mm-hmm. he does. Adam is, he's a great businessman, you know, you know the millionaire, mentor, the millionaire marketer's mentor, right? <laughs> but throw out a picture, Adam. <laughs> but, but, you know, he's great at what he does. Mm-hmm. And people can be... We are attracted to these people for different reasons. One of the reasons why I liked Adam or is attracted to Adam Mm -hmm. is how bold he is in telling you what you're doing wrong or telling you to do something better. Because it was like, I wanted to pick up some of that boldness. With Mary Allen, it was just her her sense of peace and like, hey, I can handle whatever comes my way. Whereas with Gina Gabellini, she's all about fun. And as Mm -hmm. far as sharing is concerned, she's middle of the road. And so... I like explaining these three people because they are all very successful mm-hmm. with completely different personalities. And a lot of people, whenever they're trying to be themselves, they might think, well, even though um, I've learned so much from Gina, I can't act like Gina because I have to make sure everything's different. Well, then you're not mm-hmm. being you because you're a combination of every single person that you have learned from. And you may have good um Some of your learning would have been good experiences and some not so good, but it still is what's making you, you. Mm -hmm. So finding your voice is tapping in and saying, what do I feel comfortable sharing? What do I want to share? And what is it that my clients want to know? Mm -hmm. Mary's clients would stop, would stop in a heartbeat, even following her. If she stopped sharing her life, Mm -hmm. people like hearing about her twins and all of her goings and comings and they like it. Yeah. If Adam started sharing about his life, people would uh, stop following him as well. So it all comes down to really what you feel comfortable with. Tap into your heart. What do you feel comfortable with? And definitely don't go out there and, you know, air your dirty laundry, for lack of a better word, because people 
want to know that you've had struggles and you've overcame them, but they don't want to know. Last night I got into a fight with my husband and he got me so pissed off he this and that because that's not going to do you any good either. I think there is a line there sometimes with uh, how much to share. And, and you're right. It really does come down to what are you comfortable with and what is the persona that you have in your business, in your life? Who are you really? Um, because when you know that uh, and you know kind of what your values are and what you want to be known for, what you want to share, it makes it easier to decide when to share something, when not to share something, because we all do have those different lines. And I think one thing that I've found, and maybe you found this too, is that the lines kind of move as you're in business more. I know there's things I share now that I would never have shared five or 10 years ago. Um, so it's one of those things that you kind of just got to give yourself space to be okay with figuring it out as you go, I think. And that's it. It's, you're going to grow constantly. And I don't think, you know, in life, none of us really graduate with a uh, master's degree or a PhD. We just don't because there's always a next chapter. Every day, every minute is a next chapter and we grow and we learn. So whatever we pick up, whatever we do builds up our confidence, especially the more fear that you step through. Yeah. Because fear isn't something that, fear doesn't come to us really telling us to stay away from us. Most of our fears are very superficial. And whenever you start loving yourself and your conf and your confidence grows, it's easier to step through those fears because you're, uh, you're more confident, but you can only get that one step at a time. Uh, my grandson, he's so funny. He calls me up over the summertime and he's like in tears, right? He's with, uh, just before his eighth birthday, and he's in tears. I go, David, what's wrong, honey? I'm afraid to go in second grade, Grandma. Mm. <laughs> and I thought, well, why are you afraid? Because I've never been in second grade before. And I thought, this is how we are in life. And I'm like, well, what happened in first grade? Did you have friends? You'd never been in first grade before you was in first grade before. <laughs> You know, he was happier after we hung up, but it was sort of funny. Mm -hmm. And I really related to our business. We're going from first grade to second grade. And it's scary because we've never been in second grade before. But we have to pick up on all of the lessons we learned in first grade and know that we handled first grade okay, that we can go into second grade. That's a great comparison because that, that's true. We see that all the time with, you know, especially the, the little people in our lives, that fear of the unknown. Sometimes we forget that really is all it is, is something we haven't tried before mm -hmm. seems scary until we try it. Right. Which and then really, becomes the norm. Yeah. And we don't even think about it. Well, which really goes back to what you said about confidence being the willingness to try. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. So I know you've got a free ebook uh, that you share with people and for everybody watching, listening, wherever you're finding this at, you can find that at cindyjholbrook.com forward slash five secrets. Let's talk about that just for a minute. Uh, one of the bullet points you have on that page is that you share how to get outrageous confidence to be authentic online. That caught my attention because I thought that's such an interesting phrase. It's, you know, more than just confidence, but really outrageous confidence so what does that mean exactly you know it's just really learning to tap into who you are and letting go of all of the shoulds 
we should act a certain way. We shouldn't say that, you know, all of our shoulds and our should nots, because really all of our shoulds and our should nots are our own limitations. Hmm. You know, you, we typically aren't picking up on, you know, our mentors, or our friends don't typically sit there and say you should or you shouldn't, hmm. but it's really being authentic and picking up on, you know, if you shouldn't do something, who says you shouldn't do it? If you should, do it, who says you should do it? And the big question is, do I want to do it? Is it going to make me feel good? Because even though you're afraid, doesn't mean that it's not going to make you feel good. Uh, you know, people are afraid to, you know, to fly. But once they get up in the air, a lot of times that, you know, they feel better and it feels good. Or, um uh, people are, I'm just trying to think of some fears. Uh, a lot of people who like these thrills, like bungee jumping or going skydiving, you know, they have that fear, yeah. but just doing it is this adrenaline rush and it really makes you feel outrageously confident. Once you step through the fear and let yourself just feel the fun and the excitement of what's going on without the expectations or without worrying about what everybody else is thinking or saying. Uh, and it's difficult to get there. It's as easy as that and as hard as that. Sometimes the simplest things are the most challenging. Um, but, you know, you're right. If we think back to those moments where we had, you know, two choices, do we go for it or not? Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of a single time where when I went for it, it was as scary as I expected it to be like nothing super horrible happened. You know, it's one of those things in our heads. We make it up of, Oh my gosh, this could go wrong. This could go wrong. This could go wrong. What if this happens? Turns out, even if some of those things happen, they're usually not nearly as bad. We imagined them to be. Um, And sometimes we let those things stop us instead Mm -hmm. of just having that confidence to go ahead and say, okay, I'm going to try it and see what happens. And, and two things, okay? If I tell you, Michelle, your hair is blue, what are you going to tell me? Well, not, not today it's not. Not today, not today it's not. <laughs> but no, it's not. Because we all have this little accept and reject button in our mind. And so regardless what we say, if I tell you, hey, Michelle, your hair is blue, it's an automatic reject. Because you're like, it is not. If I tell you your name's Jane, you're like, no, it's not. It's a reject button. <laughs> huh. If we're, if we're eating breakfast and I go, God, Michelle, you was rude to that waitress. What happens? You're like, was I? What did I do? (laughs) Right? So this is what really wrecks more havoc with our confidence is whenever we let what other people's beliefs and we start hitting that accept button. Oh God, I was rude. I can't do that anymore. Uh, I actually had a client that happened to, and I was, we was working on her being assertive and she was in tears. Like I thought I was being assertive and I'm like, you know, this girl, she is, does not know how to set boundaries and doesn't know how to be assertive and ask for what she wants Mm -hmm. because what you said and how you acted was not being rude. It was you just saying, Hey, you didn't cook my food, right? Please take it back and cook my food right. But this girl she was with was appalled that she did this. And so we let other people's beliefs become ours and that blocks our confidence more than anything else. So it's getting, chipping away at those other beliefs. Well, that's um, interesting because that really ties back into some of what you said at the beginning about, you know, when we're coming out of the corporate world, 
where we have in our heads, there's certain expectations for behavior. And I think the same is true um, of both boys and girls. You're raised with certain expectations for your behavior. Girls behave this way. Boys behave this way. Girls aren't supposed to be assertive. Girls aren't supposed to be, you know, the things that really are just asking for something that you want are very often looked at as not appropriate. And that is accepting somebody else's idea of who you should be or how you should show up. And if I may want to share a story just about fear, a lot of us, a lot of people are always afraid of what I call the fatal mistake. Oh my God, I'm going to make a fatal mistake. My business is going to be over. And this really will keep people in procrastination and keeping them stuck in their um, visibility for months, years, forever. And actually it's even asking yourself, what's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time I was on Huffington Post Live, I was on Huffington Post Live due to an article I'd wrote uh-huh. about um, having a friend with benefits after divorce. Okay. Okay. And uh, so I wrote this article. Huffington Post was very interested in it. So they invited uh-huh. me to the panel. Okay. And what I was trying to say during the interview, some of my friends said that they understood what I was saying, but this was my first, I think it might have even been my first live video. I was a little bit nervous and stuff, and mm-hmm. I have been mistaken, but I was trying to say, I tell my clients that it's better to have a friend with benefits mm-hmm. than to have multiple one-night stands. Mm-hmm. I actually had two clients at that time, one uh, who was like terrified of having sex at all and another one who was having three or four one night stands a week. And so, you know, they were just so totally opposite, which is what even uh, gathered my creativity to write this article. Mm -hmm. And so having them post whenever they started promoting this Mm -hmm. uh, episode was like, Certified divorce coach, Cindy Holbrook, tells all of her clients to find a friend with benefits. And I thought, no, that's not what I said. That's not what I stand for. You know, and I really did. I cried my little eyes out. My business was over, you know. Just might as well go back to the nine to five job, but it increased my business. Yeah. You know, and I have to say, I did get a lot of slamming remarks, I bet. but it was interesting because, you know, and to me, that would be like, it could have been fatal had mm-hmm. I said, okay, this just isn't working and I could have yeah. left it. And that is the only fatal mistake you'll ever make in your business is saying, uh-oh, I made a mistake. Somebody mis- uh, yeah. misunderstood what I was trying to say, so I'm just leaving. That is the only fatal mistake. So you can't make a fatal mistake unless you choose to allow it to be fatal because a lot of people are really afraid of that. Yeah. Well, I love that because it's so true. The things that, that go wrong, like being misunderstood in an interview or, you know, a lot of people are afraid of the first refund request they might get or that a client might might not be happy or somebody might leave a, a mean comment on their Facebook post or all of the things like that. Once they happen, you realize the only way it's the end of anything is if you give up. If instead of confronting it and saying, okay, so here's how I'm going to deal with this, maybe reaching out for advice. If you need to have a conversation about, hey, having to post things, I meant this. How do I, how do I handle it? Um, instead of, of just finding a way to roll with things, you give up. Right. 
uh, you're, you're right. That is the only fatal mistake you can make in your business because otherwise it's just a choice to say, okay, so this happened. I'm going to figure out how to handle it and I'm going to keep going. And even going back to the confidence of stepping through your fears, had I not even a couple of lessons here, had I not stepped through my fear of saying, yes, I'll be on this video interview. Um, and number two, even after they started promoting this, it was all, what can I learn from it? How can I grow and be a better business owner? Mm -hmm. How can I utilize this experience to even enhance the lives of those that I serve? Because every lesson that we have, especially those big lessons like that, I believe we can utilize to help somebody else. And if you're hiding behind it, you're really cheating people that you can help. Well, and I'm sure you had some interesting conversations with clients and potential clients after that. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I, I, well, it was very interesting, but, uh, you know, it's, it just is, you know, and I'm like, I don't, but I do honestly believe that it's better to have a friend with benefits than have three or four multiple stands, like one night stands a week. Um, you know, uh, I, I guess the, the interesting thing is having gone through something like that gives you a totally different perspective when you have clients that are working through online visibility issues who I'm sure are wondering, well, what if I say the wrong thing on an interview or a podcast or in an article and they misquote me? You can actually speak from experience of, you know, hey, okay, yeah, let's talk about that. Here's how that happens. Here's what you do. Um, it gives you a different perspective. I'm sure at the time you probably weren't even thinking you'd be able to use it that way in business. Oh, it took me a long time to even share it with anybody. Yeah, I was like, oh, my God, that was just this horrible, horrible mistake. Um, it wasn't even really, well, it was my mistake because I obviously flustered on my words and I was nervous. But, again, that would be like, you know, if you're trying to find a job, yeah. you're going to say the wrong things on an interview. You're yeah. just going to. You know, anybody that started working at McDonald's, you know, you might have said something wrong to the guy that was interviewing you, but you learn, you afterwards, you think, well, maybe that wasn't the best answer. I could answer it a different way. And it's the only way we learn is by experiencing it. You know, and the interesting thing I think is not only that it's always a lesson we can learn from it, um, but that people are more forgiving than we would think. Most people will look at it and go, oh, you're human too. Um, right. That's been one of the most encouraging things to me because I've had similar incidents over the years of things that didn't quite come out the way I meant them or, you know, misunderstandings here and there that when you're able to just go, okay, you know what? Yeah, that did not come out right. Or that person just did not understand what I was trying to say. Here's what I meant. It, it gives other people permission to make mistakes too, or to be misunderstood and be able to go, Okay, so it's not that big of a deal. We just keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it is. And that's all we can do is keep yeah. going. Uh, because if we never make this, nobody has never not made a mistake. And to some of my mentors, I love more whenever they make mistakes because in a way it was like, hey, if they can make a mistake and make seven beers yeah. a year, so can I. <laughs> uh, or um, whenever you're trying to be perfect too. Mm -hmm. you know, like you were saying, you was get fluttered with your words whenever you was talking to the video. I remember like I wanted to memorize my script and have it be exactly like one way, which never worked. But, uh, but whenever you're trying to be perfect, people can just automatically like that person's a phony mm -hmm. because we know 
innately, every single person knows there's no perfect person out there. Mm -hmm. So if somebody wants to put on this uh, perfect persona, mm -hmm. it automatically comes out as a fake persona and people don't trust you because you, they know that nobody is perfect. You know, we all strive for perfection, but nobody's perfect. And really, whenever you stop striving for perfection and just strive to learn, that's, again, whenever you can start being more outrageously confident. Because you're not striving for perfection. You're just striving to learn. And, hey, every single thing that happens, I can learn from. Yeah. Well, and I think there's, there's a freedom that comes to you from giving yourself permission to not try to be perfect, to go, I'm just going to do the best I can with the information I have right now. Cause that really is all we can ever do is from where we're at, do our best with what we've got. And you're not going to ever satisfy everybody. You know, a lot of people, they're afraid of that rejection. They're afraid of something, yeah. something else that happened early in my career. I had this client, she was not a good match for me. I was not a good match for her either. Mm -hmm. um, I always say that as, I still sometimes have a hard time pronouncing different things uh, and, you know, I work on them, but my mom was from New York and my father was from the South and I was a very confused child who went to speech therapy through the uh -huh. seventh grade, uh -huh. trying to really combine these two very different linguistics and how am I supposed to talk? But I have a hard time, especially back then, had a very hard time saying woman versus woman. Okay. And every week that I would talk to this client, she would actually yell and scream at me because of my pronunciation of woman and woman. And um, my coach at the time said, well, fire her. I said, I can fire her? Really? You know, but it's... <laughs> It's for some dumb reason I thought that I had to keep her. And I told her, you know, this isn't working. You need to find somebody that speaks your language. And it put so much, you know, took a lot of pressure off of me because I was questioning myself. Am I even in the right business? Should I be coaching people? Hey, if I can't pronounce woman and woman, should I be coaching people? But the way that I pronounce something doesn't have any effect to my knowledge and my wisdom and the value that I add to so many people's lives. And if somebody doesn't like the way I speak, I'm not here to serve them. But it was, I had to experience that and really learn. I mean, I was shocked when my mentor told me, yeah, fire them. Like, yeah, fire them. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's something that I think so many people struggle with, not realizing that it's okay to know who a good fit client is for you. And it's okay to say, I'm not the right person to help you with something, or you're not the right, um, you're not the right coach for me. You know, we've got to make decisions based on what's actually working for us and for our clients. So, you know, you, you do a client a favor when you let them know there's someone else who can help you better. That's okay mm -hmm. to do. Yeah. And it was scary as hell. I mean, it was very yeah. early in my career and it was scary even telling this woman I was like is she going to start blasting me on social media saying she refused to work with me well it's just like a restaurant has the right to refuse to work with anybody so do we but it freed up my energy and my time to find the clients who connected to me and it Absolutely. built my confidence you know whenever you're working with somebody you align with you do become more confident than if you're working with somebody that you don't align with 
Definitely. That, that's one of those things that I know people who have gotten to that same questioning that you mentioned about, should I even be doing this? Should I be coaching or should I be consulting? And it's because they're working with the wrong clients who don't value what they do. Uh, and that's just something you've got to put better filters in place because when you're working with the right clients, it's, it's like you said about moving from the energy around divorce coaching into the energy around online visibility. Um, when you find things that are a good fit for you, it lights you up and you have fun with yeah. it. And if you're thinking it, if there's, if this fire starts building, you know, in your belly and you start, oh God, it would be so cool to do that. That is your passion and it's actually the direction you need to go. And it can be scary. You know, there's so many fears. We're constantly afraid, but I think, you know, we've been taught not to do what we're afraid of. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, by parents who really wanted to teach us right from wrong, you know, don't touch the hot stove, don't run out in the middle of the street. But we were taught, well, these things are to be feared. Yeah. Rather than, you know, there's some really good reasons to for a stove to be hot, you know, and there's, you know, there's really good reasons yeah. um, why and when you should run out into the street. You know, there's no adult that wouldn't automatically run into the street if a three-year-old ran into the street. Yeah. So it, it's all in perspective. And yeah. uh, so when we start thinking of our fears, it's like, is this really going to kill me or hurt me? Yeah. Or what proper way to step through this fear? You know, I'm not saying that you should go, you know, walk through hot coals. That's not on my top 10 list right. of things to do. Disclaimer, please don't touch any hot stoves or play in traffic <laughs> based on this podcast episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> but do challenge yourself. Ask yourself if you step through a fear, what is the worst that could happen? Yeah. And it was the same like with uh, when my grandson was afraid of second grade. I asked him, you know. Was you afraid when you went into first grade? And did you make friends in first grade? And what happened in first grade? And are you going to the same school? Mm -hmm. You know, I was showing him the similarities and the differences that and showing him that he stepped, went through these other fears. So whenever you start questioning yourself, uh, you know, as many questions as other people can ask you really doesn't have the same impact as whenever you start questioning yourself. Well, what am I really afraid of? What would I do if this happened? What, what would I do if this other thing happened? Because then you're mentally preparing yourself for both the best and the worst case scenarios, and you're working towards the best case. Which is really important because sometimes what we're afraid of, and I've run into this with clients where, you know, the, the conscious fear is what if I fail? And we're mm -hmm. worried about that. But the other side of that is we're afraid of what if I succeed? What if this actually works? What happens then? What if I'm, what if I'm not ready? What if I don't uh, handle the clients well? What if I don't, I don't, you know, I don't have the team in place. So it's one of those things that asking yourself what the best that can happen is important too, partially because you need to imagine that and, and think about what are the positives that could happen and partially so you can have that plan in place in your head so that your conscious mind and your subconscious mind relax and go, okay, if the worst happens, I'm prepared. If the best happens, I'm prepared. <laughs> and life is full of challenges. I mean, besides just your business, life is full of challenges. Yeah. And I know, you know, we pick up these beliefs and I know you've heard this story before, but I absolutely love this story. We will hold on to them and we will fight for them for dear life. 
Um, and sometimes it makes no difference. So it's really questioning whose belief is this? Uh, and the story simply is, you know, this little girl sees her mom making a roast and says, mommy, how can you cut off both ends of the roast before uh, you put it in the oven? She goes, well, I don't know, honey, when my mom always did it. So they call up grandma and say, grandma, why do you cut off both ends of the roast before you put it in the pan? Uh-huh. Well, I don't know, honey. That's the way my mom always did it. So they call up great grandma and they go, great grandma, why do you always cut off the roasts, uh, the end of the roast before you put it in the pan? And great grandma says, well, whenever I was little, we didn't have a pan big enough to fit the roast in. So we had to cut off both ends. And this is how our <laughs> beliefs are brought down. Yep. And we hold on to them or yeah. we get idea in our mind somewhere in my life I Hmm. decided that my nephew was eight years younger than I am Uh I decided now I would have bet you 10 million dollars that this kid was eight years younger than me you know even though he's not a kid anymore so when I was 48 my Uh birthday June his is in August and he came to visit me in July I go and I just turned 48 I go gee Marty you're going to be 40 next month no, Aunt Cindy, I'm going to be 39. Marty, don't lie to me. I know how old you are, but I'm arguing with him. He's like, honest, Aunt Cindy, I'm going to be 39. His kids are like, Aunt Cindy, he's going to be 39. I'm like, you got to try and pull one over on me. I know how old you are. And, and finally, Marty pulls out his license and says, look at the year that I was born, Aunt Cindy. I'm going to be 39. And I would have, like, literally bet you $10 million how old he was. And you have to question any belief you have about your business. Is it true? Because almost there's so many of our beliefs that aren't mm-hmm. true, but we're making them true, and we're going to fight to prove they're true, just like I fought with my nephew for a long time. Oh, that's funny. That's a great story because that is true. We do really have to question those beliefs and, and whether they're true or whether they're just something in our heads. So I love that. Love that. And it's, it goes back to the accept reject button. Like whenever I, I told you before, because people will tell us something, we'll pick up a belief or something and it's like, is it true? Mm-hmm. Do I choose to press that accept button that I'm going to accept it as true? Or do I decide to reject it? and find another truth that uh, makes me feel better. Basically, whenever the truth makes you feel better, you're usually in the right direction. Love that. That's a great tip to help you figure out which way to go with things. So Mm -hmm. for everybody listening, make sure you go over to cindyjholbrook.com forward slash the number five and the word secrets. I'll put a link wherever you're watching this below the video, uh, below the audio, you'll find that and grab that book to help you really figure out how to step through those fears and have that outrageous confidence that Cindy's talked about in this episode. Cindy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I want to say big hugs to everybody and thank you very much. And thank you for having me, Michelle. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in and catch the next episode. Be sure you subscribe and we'll see you then.